Anybody know what this is? Anybody? What is it? What's it called? Oculus. Rachel plays a little Oculus every once in a while, don't you, Rach? An Oculus. That's right. This is a virtual reality game. Now, the difference between a regular video game and the virtual reality game is if you're playing Xbox or PlayStation or something along those lines, and you hear a noise and you happen to look over here, you see what's over here. Like, if I'm playing this video game and I look over here, Jen, oh, there's Jen, and I'm still playing a video. I realize this is a video game. That's Jen. But in the virtual reality world, you put this on. And if you look around, oh, I think I got lightsabers now. (laughs) Everywhere you look, I can't see anybody. I don't know what's going on. And in this Star Wars game, there's opposition. None of you guys are believing I'm playing this right now anyway, right? I would already be dead playing this game, trust me. But here's what's cool about this Star Wars. Like every time you're trying to move forward, something is opposing you. Everywhere you look, something is against you trying to take you out at every turn. Now, the first time I played this game, I looked like the white guy right there that just went down. And then I came back to life and I looked like that guy again. So this is obviously Will who recorded this last night. But what's wild about this game is while you have this headset on, it's like there's this whole other reality that's going on. A reality that everywhere I look, I'm facing opposition. Things are trying to stop whatever I'm doing. And I've got a couple choices when I'm in this reality. I can either stop what I'm doing and just be done, or I can continue to move forward. Now, when I take the headset off, you can be done with that, Ronan. When I take the headset off, I'm reminded of another reality that takes place, which is the reality that God is with me. The reality is that he's always present the reality that he cares about this world more than I do. And I love this quote, kind of wraps it up from C.S. Lewis. He said, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God, this reality that we often need to be reminded of, and counterclaimed by Satan. That there's actually two realities in the one reality that we're facing, that we're constantly under some sort of temptation that we're facing, that we're trying to move forward in this world. Things are pushing back against us. And this reality that it's actually every square inch has already been claimed by God. That's reality. Everybody say reality. 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 Not just a virtual reality. Like This is our reality that we live in. Now, here's the good news in this. In a broken world, temptation is a normal part of our lives. That doesn't sound like good news, but there's good news. But because God is always present and at work, we don't have to face those temptations alone. Our response to temptation is an opportunity to become more or less like Jesus. And here's some good news in this. And we get to choose what we want more. 
We get to choose what we want more. So the last several weeks, we've been diving into the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is a part of a bigger conversation of the Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking through. And in the sermon, Jesus is showing what it looks like uh, to live this human life as it's designed, to become human again. And we're diving into this family prayer where Jesus is showing us how to pray, not necessarily what to pray. Um, And we're learning what it really means to hallow our Father's name. We're learning that daily bread isn't just about food. Uh, Last week, Brian talked to us about the self-sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus that abolishes all the sins of the world. But in order to experience that forgiveness fully, to experience it fully, like what's designed to be experienced, we have to extend it to others. Not just to others, but others who've wronged us. Like just others would be good enough, but others who have wronged us. And today we're going to continue on in this beautiful prayer, uh, this part of the scripture. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now the first part of this prayer is interesting. And lead us not into temptation. Why would we need to make that request? Like, lead us not into temptation. So is, is he the one creating all this temptation? Is he pulling all the strings and putting us in all these situations? I want to remind you what Brian uh, reminded us the first week. He said, God is not in control. Everybody say that with me again. God is not in control, but he is in charge. Everybody say that. He is in charge. When I began to see through this lens years ago, this was a big relief to me. All of a sudden, there was a relief to me of, that I get to have say-so because if he's just pulling all the strings and he's up there just orchestrating everything and has all this all lined out, then what do I get to be a part of? Like, did he invite me into something or not? Or am I just part of his big puppet thing that's going on up there? This was a huge relief to me that I get to have say-so. God's not micromanaging everything. So it's important as we tackle this first part of this verse to remember this. God does not tempt us, but he allows us to be tested. He doesn't tempt us, but he allows us to be tested. Well, isn't allowing us to be tested and tempting us the same thing? It's not. The tempter is trying to get you off track. The tempter wants you to fail. But when you're tested, testing allows you to see what you really want. Maybe who you really are. Maybe the deepest desires at your core. In Scripture, God allows his people to be tested so that to know what they would choose, to know what their hearts were, to know how they would persevere in this and who they would be. And, of course, he would hope that they would succeed and knew that if they did, they would become stronger. James says, those who stand firm during testing are blessed. They're tried and true. That means they face the temptation and now they know who they are. We can see who they are. They've been tried, and they're true. And they will receive the life God has promised to those who love him as their reward. Not just eternal life someday, but real life, as we talk about all the time, real life here, as God promised, right here and now. Matthew 4, we read about a testing of Jesus. Many of you know this story. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days, right? And he's, he's tempted the whole time. In this 40 days. And the tempter, not 
the Holy Spirit, the tempter, Satan, is tempting him, trying to get him to mess up, trying to push back against who he actually is. Now, this temptation actually literally happens right before the Sermon on the Mount that we've been in for over a year that we're continuing to go into. This temptation, the Sermon on the Mount, this most famous sermon is preached on the heels of the 40 days temptation that's going on. So what happened is God didn't create the temptation, but he allowed it. So the spirit and the enemy used the same events for very, very different purposes. Jesus was tested. He was found true, tried and true, found true of who he was, what he was up to in the world. And by undergoing this temptation and withstanding the devil's temptations, Jesus demonstrated that he truly is the one he said he is that he's the faithful covenant partner of God. So God doesn't tempt us, but he allows us to be tested. Now, I'm a dad. I get this. If you're a parent, you probably get this. Uh, When your kids are young and they start becoming mobile and moving around, you know what we do as parents? The good ones, at least. We hover a little bit. We hover a little, they're going to fall, what's going on, what's that look like? But then they start getting older and they're talking, they're moving around, and we probably need to hover less, right? So if you're still hovering, your kid's 17, this is your reminder to stop hovering, okay? Quit. We don't always rescue them from everything. What we're doing is we help them become. We're giving them permission. We're giving them say-so into their lives, to help them grow, to help grow their character. We let our kids make choices that sometimes might end up as difficult choices, but it helps grow their character in that. So Weston, our youngest, he's only five. He started kindergarten this year, and he's struggling with that a bit. Not with kindergarten. He loves kindergarten. Uh, They don't have nap time. He's a little upset about that. That was his favorite. But he loves... (coughs) He loves... uh, Although he loves to have homework. He's currently in speech right now. He's like, Dad, I'm really good at speech. I'm like, hmm, is that, sure that's how that works. But he, he's, loving, he's loving everything about school. The problem he's having is when he gets home from school. So what the, what's gone on in the summer is he had two and a half months of nothing but his brother's attention. And now all of a sudden he started school. And when he gets home from school, all he wants to do is see his brother's. Where's my bros? I want to play. I want to do that. He sees them on the bus. They walk home, and he's ready to hang out with his bros all evening. And his brothers now have been in school for eight hours. And when they get home, they want their own time. They want some game time or relaxation or uh, Jackson's a teenager, maybe some nap, whatever that might be. So Weston's really struggling with this, and he's been, he's been saying this uh, for about the last two months. He'll come in, and this is a real temptation that he's struggling with. He's like, Dad, my bros don't ever play with me. They don't ever, that's what he calls my bros. They don't ever play with me. They don't want to play with me. I said, they never play with you? Yeah, they never play with me. I said, who was playing with you just a minute ago out in the driveway? Wilson. I was like, so they never, well, they just, I don't think they love me, Dad. Like, he struggles with this. So this was a couple weeks ago. He's telling me, I don't think they love me. They don't, they don't want to play with me. So <clears throat> an example is where I pull Weston in and say, listen, It sounds like you're tempted to believe this lie that your brothers don't love you. That's a lie. Now, you can choose to believe that if you want. 
So if you want to believe that, that's fine. You can be sad and cry and slam doors and be upset, all that kind of stuff. You're just going to do it somewhere else. Like you're going to go to your room to do that. Or if you want to believe the truth, which is your brothers love you and you know that, and they might just need a little space, then choose that. And you can hang out up here with us. You can go outside. You can go downstairs and just kind of hang out with them. Just don't demand anything. But you get to choose whichever one of those you want. Sometimes he chooses to go to his room, cry really loud when we can hear it, slam the door. The evening's a little rougher for him, and it's a little rougher for us. But what I do see happen more often is he actually chooses to believe the truth. And it's an opportunity for him to see two things in front of him, that these two things are what he's tempted to believe. And I can either believe this lie and deal with whatever the consequences are, or I can believe to lean into the truth. And I can surrender to that. And I can move throughout my day in a different way. So we can see that why God would allow us to be tested. We can see that. Because in a broken world, temptation is a normal part of our lives, even at five years old. But because God is always present at work, we don't have to face those temptations alone. And our response to temptation is an opportunity for even Weston to become more or less like Jesus. And he gets to choose what he wants more. And you get to choose what you want more. God doesn't tempt us, but he does allow us to be tested. Here's another thing to to recognize in this verse of scripture. It's okay to ask for relief. That's a relief, isn't it? The second half of the scripture says, but deliver us from the evil one. Listen, we know there's going to be temptation. A verse that we look at often and we see the the hope side of it is John 10.10. The thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they could have life indeed so that they could live life to the fullest. In myself, when I see that verse of scripture, often I lean into the life that I can live. But what Jesus is also saying is there is an adversary, my adversary, that's moving around to push back against it at every turn, just like in this video game that's constantly pushing back against the real life that we can have. We know that there's going to be temptation. So we also know where we can find deliverance. And it's okay to go and ask. Even if God allows us to face the temptation, we can still ask. God cares that we're in the middle of temptation. God cares that we have to deal with Satan. He meets us in reality right in the middle of it. Jesus prayed a similar prayer of this asking for relief in the garden, which began his path to the cross. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will must be done. What he's asking is saying, if there's some other way and it fits into your plan, I would probably prefer that. (laughs) You ever pray one of those prayers? Like, man, if I got to go through this, I'll go through it, but if there's some other way that this could have a different, a different path and you would allow that, I would really rather take that path. It's okay to ask God for those kind of things. But not just okay just to say, hey, rescue me, but also to say, hey, if this isn't a way, at least go through it with me. Help me get through it. It's not like we have to get at the fork of the road and say, oh, that's your way. Or this way, oh, it's that way, dang it. Okay, guess I'll go it alone. You don't go it alone. You go with him through the temptation. Here's some good news. The same spirit that walked with God 
through all of the temptations that Jesus walked through in the desert, in the garden, is the same spirit that is in us, that's with us. So we see, yeah, but he was what? He was human who walked with God. God's spirit was within him. We have the same spirit within us. In a broken world, temptation is a normal part of our lives. Don't like it, but it's normal. But because God is always present at work, we don't have to face those temptations alone. Our response to temptation is an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Opportunity. It's a big word in this good news proclamation. An opportunity to become more or less like Jesus. And we get to choose what we want more. So God doesn't tempt us, but he allows us to be tested. We can ask for relief, but there are times that we don't get the relief. And it's really important to remember this. I may not choose my temptation, but I do choose my response. So even though Jesus wasn't rescued from temptation, you know what his posture was always about? Surrender. It was always a posture of Not my will, but your will must be done. His posture was, I don't know exactly how this is going down, but I promise you I am surrendering to whatever it is that you want. Not my way, your way. Now, I don't like temptation. Anybody in here like temptation? They're like, yeah, man, it's an opportunity. No. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes temptation. <laughs> but here's one thing that I love. I love this about our, our faith and our walk with Christ. I love that I have say-so. So here's what temptation means. Here's what obstacles mean. It means that I get to choose. I get to be a part of it. I love that part of it. I love that I get to choose to follow Jesus. That is so much better than uh, now I've decided this is who Jesus is and I'm going to heaven and, you know, and then this is just life. Like I get to choose to follow him and engage with him. And in every single day of my life, I love that. And what I know is when we face temptation and we surrender to God we, and we come through those temptations victorious, we become more like Jesus. Not overnight, but it's like temptation after temptation, after walking with Christ, after learning from Jesus how to love like Jesus. Before you know it, we're just living as if Jesus were me. I get to become, I get to transform. My character is being shaped to be more like Jesus. Not because I try harder, but because I surrender more. Right? You ever just try hard, hard, hard to be good, and you just seems like no matter how hard you try, something can't change? It's because when we surrender to God over and over and over again, it transforms something inside of us. Not trying harder, surrendering more. In a broken world, temptation is a normal part of our lives. But because God is always present and at work, we don't have to face those temptations alone. And our response, how we choose, not choose our temptation, but the response that we choose to temptation is an opportunity to become more or less like Jesus. And we get to choose what we want more. I love this quote quote from Sky Jathani. He says, For those living with God, for those who have uh, tasted his goodness, there will arise an unceasing desire for deliverance from sin and evil. So we've heard that, right? 
Like the longer we follow Jesus, the less that we want sin and evil and bad things. The ultimate goal, however, is not to simply the removal of sin from our lives. Too often we forget that our God doesn't merely deliver us from something. He's also delivering us to something. Isn't that good? Hear this. God does not want something from you. He wants something for you. He's offering freedom. He's offering grace. He's offering an invitation into this life with him. That too often we forget that our God doesn't merely deliver us from something. He's also delivering us to something. The spirit working in us, bringing more life, better life, because it's life in Christ. Not because we are delivered from just something that we face, temptation, but an opportunity to be delivered to life, to more like Jesus, more freedom, more love, more grace when we decide we want more. Now, everyone is tempted. I want everybody to say, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I thought you were going to say, Jeremiah is tempted. You're tempted. <laughs> I'm tempted. We all face temptation, right? So we don't have to sit in here, pretend that we don't. We all face it. You know the biggest temptation that I face these days is discouragement. Now, for me personally, I'm more of an optimistic. I'm a, I'm a realist, but I'm like a real optimistic, an optimist realistic. I don't know. But I'm way more on the optimistic than I am the pessimistic side of things. But here's what I can become really quickly is I can become cynical, I can become discouraged, and I can lose faith in all mankind. And last week I kind of hit a wall, a lot of tasks, a lot of plate spinning, a lot of pressure placed on myself from myself. So what I've realized is often the pressure that I feel is not placed on me from other people, it's placed on me from me. Or it's placed on me from lies that I believe about me. Um, and I know that being discouraged is a temptation. And I know that that's not a place that I want to live. Because there are times when we get down in that pit and it's hard to get out of it. So I knew that discouragement is not where I can live. So I know this good news. So how am I going to respond to this? Here's what didn't happen. Circumstances didn't go away. The plate still had to spin. So none of that led up. My perspective had to shift. So I had to sit with this. I had to let God meet me in everything that I'm going through. I had to, to sit in that reality. I had to allow him to be able to show me some of the lies that I'm believing. I had to allow him to show me some of the truths where I was struggling with discouragement. I was believing everything that was on my plate was all discouragement and stress. Don't we do that? We like lump everything into one category. Or if one person hurts you, everybody in that category is lumped in. Oh, a church person hurt me? All church people are bad. No, people hurt people. That's what we do at times. But we want to lump everything together. And I had everything lumped into this stress bucket. And when I began to filter through with God and to name these certain things, I realized I'm pretty stoked that I get to do some of these things. Some of them I was still a little discouraged about. But they weren't all in one bucket, okay? And I was pretty stoked about what I got to do and what I got to be a part of. And I got to see the agency and I got to begin to choose to do some of those things again rather than them all being thrown upon me. And I began to see some of the outcome of that. But I had to choose something different. 
And it wasn't choosing joy. It's not how it works. Just choose joy. No, I had to allow God to do something in me. He's the one that produces joy. I can't drum it up. And ultimately what I did, here's what I did. Ultimately, I walked through the get real will. We do this in our, our get real group. That's what I did. These 10 practices are not practices on a wall that we're wanting you to do. These are practices in life. I'm telling you, without these right now in my life, I don't know where I would be. I'm telling you, I don't know. Here's what I had to do. I had to notice God at work. I had to name what I was discouraged about. I had to let him show me bad news, the good news, and ultimately I had to choose, what do I want more? To be discouraged, sit in my pity, or become a little more like Jesus. Then I had to surrender to God's love. I had to look at the things that were discouraging, thank God for them, notice that. This is how I handle discouragement. Thank God for it. Why? Because it's an opportunity. I took the things that I was stoked about and began working on them. And it allowed me to bring who God has created me to be. Because I began to see that the reason I find joy in those things is because I feel equipped to do them. So I get to bring myself and I get to do those out of this good news. So these practices are about practices in real life. Because here's what I believe to be true. In a broken world, temptation is a normal part of our lives. But because God is always present and at work, we don't have to face those temptations alone. And our response to temptation is an opportunity to become more or less like Jesus. And we get to choose what we want more. That's the reality we live in. Now, for all of us this morning, hearing that good news... You get to respond to that. And part of the response to that is, are you willing to accept that that's reality? Because a lot of times when we hear something like this, if we accept it's reality, then we might have to do something about it. But if we stick our heads in the sand and pretend like that's not reality, then we can just go on ignoring it. But I'll promise you this. Just like in this game, if you stand around doing nothing in that game, you're toast. If you stand around in this reality of life, you are going to continue to face temptation. Standing around is not an option. You're going backwards or you're moving forward. You're either becoming more like Christ or less like Christ in these situations. You have to choose what you want more. This isn't about sinning less. It's about living more. Growing up, early on in my faith, I thought it was about how little I can sin. It's not about how little you sin. It's about how much you live. Jesus calls us to life, not to sin less. Yes, when we become more like Jesus, I think that we do face temptations better. I think that less sin shows up in our lives. But he's not calling us to sin less. He's calling us to live more. Uh, Brian talked about the words work once triangle last week. Ronan, can we see that? I love this tool. So words works once. This is a desire. This is ultimately when we get down to a place where we decide what we want more. That when we can actually see what our desires are, this is a a point of, of choosing. 
This words and works is where we typically live, is we might see something up here. So in my situation, I might be like, oh, I'm discouraged. I need to try to choose joy, which doesn't work over and over and over, right? So we keep bouncing around up here versus allowing God to do some things in our lives, slowing down, let him work in our lives enough where we can start to see the bad news, see the good news, figure out what we actually want, and we get back to works, we eventually begin to move forward. But the difference of moving forward up here is it's out of our desire. It's out of being able to see the good news through the lens of Jesus, of what he's actually bringing, the truth that we're believing, so that when we go to works, when we go back to do something, we're doing it out of response to him, not because we feel bad about something, not because I shouldn't be discouraged, but because I choose not to be in discouragement anymore. Why? Because there's such good news that I see now that now I'm going to respond and do something different based out of the good news. My response might even be similar sometimes. It's just based out of something different now. Now I'm choosing it out of the good news that I see. That's what we call surrender. I surrender to God's love. When you surrender, there's usually something that you end up doing out of that surrender. And it's difficult because sometimes we talk about surrender, we think it's just a mental thing, like, oh, I just surrender to it. It's difficult just to surrender. Like, there's something that we also, there's an embodied response when we surrender to something. And surrender is almost always personal. Like, it's your surrender. This is something that that you've been working out, the Holy Spirit's working in you, and there's a do that you do out of that that's specific to you. But I want to help us surrender to God's love this week based out of this good news. So I just want to give an idea of what this could look like. Maybe something as we walk out of here that we could do this week. So for the next seven days, when you notice that you're facing some sort of temptation, okay, whatever that might be for you, I want you to stop for a moment and say to yourself, either inside or outside, out loud, depending on how many people are around, say, this is an opportunity to become more or less like Jesus. And what you're doing is you're surrendering to the reality that in a broken world, temptation is a normal part of our lives. But because God's always present and at work, we don't have to face temptations alone. Our response to temptation is an opportunity to become more or less like Jesus. And we get to choose what we want more. So when you see temptation coming, stop for a moment and surrender to the fact that this is an opportunity to become more or less like Jesus. Now, what you do out of that is between you and the Spirit and what you actually want more. This is an opportunity to become more or less like Jesus. Well, let's do this as we close. A little heavier message than I anticipated. Or everybody's so astonished by this good news that they're just sitting and pondering. But I want us to close uh, by reading out loud again this uh, prayer, the Lord's Prayer. So let's all stand. And as Brian mentioned last couple weeks, uh, this is, the great thing about this is it's taking on new shape, new perspective for each of us. So let's 
Read this together. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Temptation. Does God tempt us? Nope. Does he allow us to be tested? You bet. Do you ever allow people to be tested in your life? You bet. When they, are, when they choose well, do you see something produce in their life? Do you see something come alive? I see Weston come alive when he realizes, yep, my brothers love me. Temptation this week is an opportunity for you to become more or less like Jesus. Okay? You're dismissed. Have a good week.